0: BLOB TALK RADIO to another sports tonight happy thanksgiving a pre early happy thanksgiving for everybody and I'd like to welcome our guests as always from the jersey shore third sports legend mr don henderson from the tampa bay area mr roy cummings and spinner the dials as always does a great job mr frank Carroll, gentlemen good evening i'll start off with this one topic for a cigar is it too early for stores to put up christmas stuff in the stores I yeah. I think it is. We haven't had Thanksgiving dinner yet.
1: Yep. Well, you're asking me. I'll I'll let Roy answer that one first. Go ahead, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I'm a I'm an old-fashioned uh, traditionalist when it comes to to Christmas.
2: Uh, look, I I I believe in um, Christmas uh, starting to celebrate after Thanksgiving. It uh, it bothers me a little bit. Look, I, I also believe in carrying Christmas in your heart throughout the course of the year, um, but I'm not a fan at all, to be honest, of uh, of seeing uh, Christmas uh, stuff up in uh, in the stores this early. I mean, I, nowadays you you get it um, literally, uh, you know, the, sometimes I mean before thanks before uh, Halloween, and and so no, I'm I'm not a fan of that. Uh, not a fan, you know, uh, it's, it's just the commercialization, uh, is a little much sometimes.
1: Roy, I agree with you hundred percent on that. The other thing is that, uh, Governor Cuomo had a major press conference this afternoon as did Governor Murphy, uh, here in New Jersey. And, uh, the one thing they really focused on was the fact that if you're going to spend Thanksgiving, uh, Keep it with a very, very small group, just the immediate family. Uh, don't try to put things. Uh, I know in our family, uh, Thanksgiving was a very, very big vacation day uh, because we all got together from wherever it was, and my daughter always uh, always cooked the dinner, and, and we usually had between 32 and 35 people. Uh, this year we're going to have just uh, uh, my daughter and her husband and uh, uh, her her son and her daughter and their husband and wife and myself. And my wife, and that that's it. And they were all emphasizing that, you know, as much as you want to affect the line that Bertha used was, I want my grandmother to realize how much I love her, and I'm not going to see her <laughs> because uh, we want her to be here next year for Thanksgiving. So it's a very, very unusual time, and we just have to live through it. Yeah, you're
2: right, Don. Uh, as, as hard as it's going to be for people, and look, everybody's got to make their own decision for themselves. But I right. agree with you. I think it's a time when um, I think you got to try to look at the bigger picture. Um, it's really not, you know, it's, yeah, you don't want to miss Thanksgiving with the family. You want to be there with everybody. You want everybody to be be together. But you know what? If, uh, if we skip Thanksgiving, maybe we don't get Christmas together. If we skip Christmas together, maybe we don't get New Year's together. If we don't get New Year's together, who knows what we've got next year. So, um you know i think the say, it it's it's smart to be safe but everybody's got to make their call to themselves uh, i think it just to me uh, i'm a believer in looking at the bigger picture and uh, to me that bigger picture is um there's you know thanksgiving is one day it's not the only day um christmas is even a bigger day uh, but it's still not the only day and there's ways to you know let's you know, be thankful for the fact that uh Technology is what it is, and it's, uh, you know, by, by dialing a few numbers on a, on a small device, we can all spend some time together, uh, you know, in a way that um, well, well, everybody can enjoy. Uh, it's tough. It's not an easy uh, time for anybody, not, not at all. But, uh, again, I think uh, it makes sense to, to try to, to, to just, just be safe about it. There's, there's ways to be safe, and I think if you right. follow those protocols, you're probably going to be in better shape.
1: And the other Mm -hmm. thing is it's very, very encouraging. Uh, Lily has come out with a a terrific serum. Uh, Johnson & Johnson has one. One is 95%, uh, at least at the early stages, 95% tested and and approved. Uh, It'll be two weeks probably before it will be approved, across uh, by the medical people. Uh, But that's encouraging news that uh, we're making progress in that area, and hopefully by this time next year, uh, this will not be the topic of conversation with everything that we do, whether it's sports or business or family or Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. Uh, hopefully this time next year we do have some kind of serum, and uh, it is working 95 or 90% effective, and we're on the other side of the road. I, I just hope that that's true. No, it
0: yeah, will hope be you're dying right. You
2: know that. Oh,
0: go ahead, Tommy. It's I'm got, sorry. No, it's got to be right for that thing up there. Well what can you say about Mr. Tom Brady? Uh he'd <laughs> be a tough Carolina team in Carolina, Roy. That's a good 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 football victory for the Buccos to win that one. And Mr. Brady had Brady's punch working good for the wide receivers. And also, what about that run by the by Jones? Unbelievable. And the offensive line that's the best I've seen offensive block blocking for this whole year for the Bucks. And finally, I think this game put the Bucks back together. With Drew Brees out, this is quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, Jameis Winston. Isn't that interesting?
2: <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Hey, look, uh, yeah, the Bucks. Uh, uh, you know they, they 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 obviously put together one of their best games, complete games of the year against uh, Carolina. What you should do against a team like that, uh, especially without his best player, Christian McCaffrey, you need to go into a place like that. And if you if you think you're a uh, a playoff caliber team. Uh, you need to go in there and and finish that team off, and uh, uh, the way they did, so good for the Buccaneers. Um, yeah, Ronald Jones, you're right. I, I think the uh, the line uh, played exceptionally well. Um, clearly made a, a big adjustment there, and a good one, an important one by moving uh, Ryan Jensen to left guard, uh, taking Haig out of the lineup, and uh, and putting in a new center uh, that Tom Brady has apparently been been very comfortable with in practice. So that's good news. Developing some depth there, which they again they do they weren't sure how much depth they had on that line, um, but uh, the unit looked very strong against uh, uh, Carolina and Ronald Jones. You know, it's funny. Ronald Jones, I think, is a perfect example of how you know instant gratification can could really can really cripple your team long term if uh, if that's all you're seeking and and why so many fans who want to play GM on Sunday afternoons and Monday mornings. Um, yeah, it, it it's why you're thankful they're not GMs because the fan base in Tampa Bay uh, was so ready to get rid of Ronald Jones when he struggled as a rookie. Um, they didn't like him in training camp. Fans didn't like him early in the season, didn't like him late in the season. Uh, people were ready to get rid of him, just dump him, second-round draft pick, uh, no good, get rid of him. Um, you know, sometimes it takes rookies some time to get you to get uh, accustomed to the league, to adjust. And, and Ronald Jones is one of those guys. Uh, he, he had a horrible rookie season. He wasn't ready physically. He wasn't ready mentally. But you look at him now, and uh, he's as solid a back as there is in the league. Is he is he in the upper echelon? No. Statistically, yes. Um, but uh, uh, he, he's a player who's getting better and better every Sunday afternoon. Uh, he's got some some faults he's got to work on. Uh, but one thing he can do is he can hit the home run, as he did uh, there in that game against uh, uh, Carolina. And it, it, let's face it, that was, that was the crippling blow. And um, it's the kind of ability he's got. you got to respect that kind of talent. And the fact that the Bucks have that kind of a player is uh, one of the reasons they lead league in uh, points scored. They've got weapons everywhere on that offense, including behind Tom Brady at running back. And uh, Ronald Jones is the best of that bunch.
1: Really, a couple of points I'd like you to talk about. Uh, Number one, uh, we talked about how the team had slid back a little bit uh, two weeks ago. They won a game, but they won a game that they didn't play very well. They came back the next week, and they were just uh, blown off the field and really played poorly. And we talked at this time last week about the fact that they were going in the wrong direction. It was time to to make some changes and, and come up the other way. That's exactly what they did. I didn't have a chance to see the game because I'm in New Jersey and I didn't get a chance to see this one, but my real question is uh from a de- we know what they did offensively, we know what Brady did. Uh what happened defensively? I know they they gave up what 24, but uh was it a workable 24 or was it the- how would the defense look to you?
2: Yeah, it was it was 24, and what bothered me was that against a better team, it probably would have been 34. Um, I don't think the defense adjusted as well as the offense did. The offense obviously came back. and Brady had went from playing his worst game to one, you know, to a typical Tom Brady game. Ronald Jones had the 98 yard run and 100 and uh, you know almost 200 yards total offense. Um, right. they, they they did whatever they wanted offensively, defensively. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater picked them apart a, l- a little bit here and there. Um, this is a team that you know it's it's becoming apparent that you can uh, you can throw on them. They're, they're tough to run against. Um, maybe not as tough as they were when Vitavea was in the lineup, but they're still pretty tough to run against. But you can throw against this team. Um, didn't get a lot of pressure really on uh, on Bridgewater. He had to- you know he was able to escape the pocket at times. Uh, I still think that's an area that's got to uh, got to be worked on and uh, an area of concern going forward as you start to play some tougher teams. Uh, we'll see what they look like against the Rams, obviously, Kansas City coming up. Um, some tough opponents, some really tough tests for that defense, and i I got to be honest, I, I'd be a little bit worried. As long as the Bucks can continue to score 30, 34 points, uh, they're going to be in games. But, um, unfortunately, I think they're going to have to count on that offense, scoring those points, because I, I think the defense has plateaued a little bit you can see one thing that's happening is uh, they're playing a little more cover two now to kind of protect the the corners a little bit uh, because the corners obviously are getting burned a little here and there. So uh, they're they're playing a little more cover two. And When you play cover two, you're probably not going to blitz much. So um, it hurts them in that way, guys. They're not really blitzing as much right now. Now that could change. They could get very aggressive here again and take their chances. But I think their concern is, that uh, you can throw on these guys. The the secondary's uh, showing some uh, either some fatigue, maybe, or just you know the fact that it's a very young group and uh, adjustments are being made against them uh, successfully. But uh, the thing that concerns you is uh, they're not really able to blitz as much because they got to stay in the cover two shell a little bit. And uh, if they can get out of that, um, you know they can they they can still cause you some trouble. But uh, you can pass against this team, and I think that's a concern.
1: Also, another another know. comment would be uh, before we get back to uh, frank and and uh, tommy uh just want to say that you're not hearing roger tonight roger's in the process of making the transition uh, back to atlanta as sold his house in the philadelphia area and uh we'll be moving uh, actually friday on the 19th uh as they close and move and he's in the process of doing that right now and that's why he's not with us tonight. Uh, they're they're moving a lot of stuff, and his youngsters are there helping him and so forth. So uh, I know a lot of people will miss it. Roger's not all with us tonight, but I just want to explain why. Frank, uh, you're a you're a football aficionado. Uh, what, what's your comment yeah, Roy, about the game? And question for Roy.
3: Well, my question is: Is um, Bruce Arians back against the wall? Given the fact. That he has laid down a law to Antonio Brown, that one screw up and he's done. Now, after we sign the contract, we find out that the day that he signed the contract, he had a an altercation with the not only the security guard, but he broke the security cameras in um, in his um, development uh, over on the East Coast. Um, mm-hmm. You know does what does that, what does that, that puts Bruce in a pretty uh, precarious uh, situation, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I think it does because I think at some point, Bruce Arians has to admit one of two things. Either he was all on board with bringing in uh, Antonio Bryant two weeks after this incident, which to me would not be a very smart thing to do considering his past. Uh, because right. to me, it's just further evidence that nothing has changed there. And, um, or he's going to have to admit that you know what? Look, I wasn't on board with this. We're trying to win a Super Bowl. Other people um, around me wanted it, and uh, sometimes you just got to go along with the uh, uh, the group and whatever that group is. I mean, uh, look, uh, the, the the general theory there, and I, I'm from what I've been told, this is this was Tom Brady's call, and I don't know that the Bucks are so. Uh, let's face it, they're so desperate to win a Super Bowl this year. Um, it's Super Bowl or bust, and, and maybe they're just letting Tom Brady, uh, you know, call some shots. And uh, this was a shot that now that you find out about this and the Bucks claim that they knew about it ahead of time, it, it just makes you wonder. I mean, w- why? It's not like you needed the guy. Um, I mean, they've, they've actually, you know, put uh, Scotty Miller, a, a pretty nice emerging player, uh, on, on the bench uh, For Antonio Brown And um, you know Look it's just to me It's just a, a little bit bizarre And it to me I think this is just these are one of those moves That happens when you are when you have decided We're all in on a Super Bowl And you know if we uh, if we look a little You know if, if we soil our pants A little bit here and there on the way Well we'll do it You know we're not concerned about how we look on uh, You know in the court of public opinion as much as we do against the, our opponents. And um, if this guy helped us win the Super Bowl, well, everybody uh, will be very happy about it. So, you know, these are tough decisions to make. I don't think Bruce Arians was all on board with this. Uh, I think this was a, a Tom Brady call, and it just kind of tells you that, um, you know, Tom Brady's. like I said, he's, he's got some power, and uh, right. and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, the well, situation. I think, that uh, quite honestly,
1: and... this is a this is a history of the league. I mean, let's see what's happening right now. Kansas City, if not the best team, Reed has put together an outstanding team in Kansas City. Well, Brown is there tonight, you know, uh, talking about signing with Kansas City. And here's a guy who was involved with, uh, and three people said that he was in a, in a room shooting with a gun, and all of a sudden everybody changed They're just they're. And they dismissed the whole case. The Giants refused to take him back. They released him. They refused to talk to him when he got out uh, two days ago. He's in Kansas City tonight. I mean, I don't know whether he shot anybody or he didn't shoot anybody, but he certainly had a gun. And uh, so we'll see what the league decides to do about that. But, I mean, all of these things are a history of the National Football League. Uh, you know what, Don? You're absolutely right. This is, this is nothing
2: new. I mean, we we look, we've seen – the NFL turn a blind eye to, uh, you know, spousal abusers, physical abusers. Uh, you know, all we, we've we, they've, they've been doing this forever. Look, th- you know, back in the day, before Pro Football Talk became the monster uh, blog uh, site that it is, uh, and I don't know if they stay Maybe maybe they still have it. They used to have the you know the, the turd count or whatever it was they called. So I apologize for the. For the phrase but it was their phrase and and it basically it was just a rundown of of all the guys who got arrested every every week and (laughs) you know and it's it it was always i mean there was one virtually one a day over the course Mm -hmm. of the year and or the course of the season and and it was embarrassing and and why the league continues to put up with it i I don't know i mean there there is no zero policy zero tolerance policy in the nfl um, there's, a, there's an absolute tolerance policy. We'll, we'll tolerate anything in order to win. In, in a league where you, you, know, you, can, you can have 90 players on your roster in the off season and 53 on your roster during the regular season and a dozen more on a practice squad, you can't somehow make it work with guys who can somehow you know, abide by the law and stay out of trouble and not <laughs> you know, threaten everybody with their lives? Uh, To me, it's just, and and apparently the NFL has decided. Well, you know what? That's our business, and and you know what? Okay, great. It it to me it it makes me. uh, It's one of the reasons I I am not a fan of the NFL, as much as as I am a fan of the NHL and Major League Baseball. Um, and and the I don't I don't mention the NBA because I'm 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 indifferent on the NBA. I'm you know there were times when I was interested, but for the most part, I don't follow it. But, um, so that's what I say about that. I, I, I I'm not, I'm not I'm just not a fan of this. I, I, I think it, I just think it sends the wrong message and I don't think it's a good message. And, uh, and here we go. The NFL is tolerating it, tolerating it again, you know, with a player who supposedly has, uh, you know, uh, you know, just two weeks uh, with a month ago or whatever, uh, been involved in this situation. It's, 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 it's to me, it's, it's ridiculous.
4: Roy, really,
2: my, my, my other question
3: is: um, Now that we know that uh, uh, Drew Brees is out, um, Sean Payton hasn't said that Jameis Winston is going to be the, his quarterback. Uh, at least as far as I've seen so far today, um, do you think that uh, he, it's going to be the second quarterback uh, that he's going to choose instead of Winston?
2: You know, I think what they're going to do is uh, I think they're going to have a lot more of the Taysom Hill package in their uh, game plan than, than they normally do. You know, if Taysom Hill plays 10, you know, gets a dozen snaps, I think you're going to see that increase to, you know, maybe two dozen snaps now. Um, I think they're going to use him a lot more. They're paying him a lot of money, obviously. He's a he's a complete hybrid. Um you know, you can, but I I don't think he's the kind of guy they want necessarily throwing the ball down the field, especially if they're down by a score. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you brought in Jameis Winston, and at some point, you, you knew this was possible. I mean, let's face it, it's not, we, Drew Brees got hurt last year, and and it wasn't it wasn't like uh, it's not like Drew Brees is a kid. Uh, you know, he's if he gets hurt, he's gonna he's gonna take some time to, to bounce back. So. I think you, you went into this Jameis Winston experiment, if you want to call it that, into this signing, knowing that this could happen. I think mm-hmm. at some point uh, that means that you said, okay, you're, you're willing to put him out there and, and Jameis is going to be Jameis. I think what happens here over this course of this week is that Sean Payton spends a lot of time coaching mm-hmm. up Jameis Winston. And I mean, and hard coaching. And I mean, in, in, in practice, if Jameis Winston is is trying to thread the ball through three defenders to to a single receiver, he's going to tell him you cannot make that pass. You make that pass and you are done. That you cannot make that pass. Um, he's I think he's going to really just try to drive home uh, the, the, the the need to be a lot more uh, careful with a football. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's tough to do. Uh, obviously, two three quarterback coaches have tried it. Um, and they haven't been able to do it, but you know what? You on the other side of things, you know, it's like, look, let's face it. James Winston is a very talented player. Uh, as long as he avoids mistakes, he can absolutely uh, tear you apart. He uh, can throw the deep ball, and uh, and he can hurt you. Um,
1: I think that's well, the connection that's open for. Let, let me ask you this, Roy, and that is that you know we talked last year, and, and Bridgewater made his year this year by what he did coming in during an injury last year. And when we talked about uh, Winston uh, signing, uh, and you hate to see anybody get hurt, especially Brees with the record and and the kind of person that he is leading a ball club. But at the same time, it's that one opening that you get that uh, Winston really had a hope for, and that's a chance to play. And then he's either going to prove himself now or he's going to be relegated to a backup quarterback maybe for the rest of his career. Yeah, it's a great point, Don. Um,
2: because you're right. This this is exactly what Jameis Winston was hoping for, right? Uh, in, in essence, and, and again, I I don't think he was you know praying at night for Drew Brees to get hurt, but he went to a place where he knew he would be coached up by one of the best. He would learn from one of the best uh, in Drew Brees. Uh, he would hear a different voice, um, get a, get a different sense of things, and if the opportunity came. Look, it didn't work the old way. You know, the the refusing to give up on a play, take every chance you can approach didn't work. If they dump you in Tampa Bay, of all places, uh, where where you were the first overall pick, and they invested so much time and effort into developing you, if they give up on you there, uh, you're not going to be brought on anywhere else uh, when that opportunity comes, if you continue to be the same quarterback. Jameis Winston has had, a year and a half, in essence, to alter the way he plays the game. Um, it didn't look a whole lot different the other day uh, in, in the few opportunities he had, but uh, he's going he's to have to be a different player now if he hopes to turn this into uh, a starting opportunity or even you know, an opportunity of any kind uh, anywhere. It, it may not just be it as a not- backup going forward. It could be, you know, you're done. And why, why would you even bother to take a chance on him uh, if you know what you're getting and what you're getting is nothing but, uh, but headaches and, uh, and, and, you know, risks that uh, you can't afford to take. So I, I think uh, we're going to find out just how, you know, how much he's worked at uh, trying to improve himself as a quarterback uh, in this game, in these games coming up.
1: Roy, we got to wrap it up on that. Billy Wendell standing by to get on with us and uh... Thank you once again, as always. Uh, sorry Roger wasn't with us tonight, but thanks so much, as always, and we'll do it again next week. Pleasure's always mine,
2: guys. Enjoy being a part of it. Thanks for uh, thanks for letting me uh, be a part of it, as always. Appreciate it. Roy, thanks happy Roy, Thanksgiving. God. We won't be on next week. Okay, sounds good, Oh, that's good, right, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you as well.
1: Be safe. Thank you, Roy. All right, we go from Roy uh, Roy Cummings and uh, his expertise in the National Football League as well as the National Hockey League and all the other things that he covers down there in Tampa, Florida. But well, we go to the icon in Philadelphia, a good friend of mine, Billy Wurndell, who uh, does this type of show with many, many interviews and great people. And as uh, <laughs> Burl Reese, the voice of the Eagles, says, the icon of Philadelphia Sports Radio, I'm Billy Wurndell, once again, pleasure to have
5: you with us. Yes, sir. My pleasure, Thank Don. You. And uh, Frank, I uh, really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, Frank, usually Don Henderson calls me, but I guess obviously he's become too big to make any calls anymore. Is that right? Been yeah, demoted, sir,
1: Billy. Yeah, Been demoted. My... That's a crap
3: of crap. Billy, you, you hit the nail on the head uh, on the last time. He is Mr. B. And we're told what he wants uh, early in the week, and then I have to make all these phone calls uh, while he sits there and, and uh, puffs on a cigar and, and plays uh, golf. <laughs> that's,
5: that's, that's about Don Henderson's life right now. But, no, we got a lot to talk about And uh, baseball. Robinson Cano suspended for a year. I mean, unbelievable. But uh, I guess you're going to bring me on about the Philadelphia Eagles. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that, nice. well, yeah, but I want to talk about oh.
5: baseball first, Billy, because a couple of things you and I have
1: talked about the last time we did your show in Philadelphia, and we on, on this show as well, is that uh, the Philadelphia Phillies are looking for a big-time general manager. The New York Mets are looking for a big-time ma- uh, general manager. The New York uh, Mets are looking for a big-time catcher. The Philadelphia have a big-time catcher. Some baseball news, uh you know, the, the the general manager of the Chicago Cubs that's been the World Series a lot of times in the last 15 years is all of a sudden available with one year still on his
5: contract in Chicago, but he stepped back today. Theo. Well, Don, here's the deal. Theo Epstein, I remember when I was in San Diego, he was the assistant PR guy in the San Diego uh, Padre front office, and his rise to the stardom, is without question. I mean, he was a he was a great general manager in Boston, a great general manager in Chicago. Now, he said that he wants to take the year off. And the other caveat is he wants part ownership of the club. Is Mr. Cohen in New York, the Mets' new owner, or Don Middleton willing to give up a part of their ownership stake in the club? Uh, that, that's a very, very tough pill to swallow. Even though his resume speaks of success, I mean, uh, I'll tell you, if I owned the club and I wanted Theo Epstein, I would give him part ownership of the club. I'd, I'd give him a, I don't a stake think, in the I don't club. Think,
1: Billy, I don't think Roy Cohen will, though. I, I mean, he just uh, – I mean, the only really uh, minor owners he has right now are still the Wilpons who who I think own 5%. Uh, he owns all the rest. I don't know that he'd be willing to do that. Uh, although the other thing is that money is no object. And the other factor is that he wants to have his club competitive as quickly as he possibly can. So uh, those are your, your points are were very well made. But it, uh, it's be interesting to see what they decide to do. And Middleton, the same way in Philadelphia. He he keeps saying he wants to spend money and he wants to be a winner.
5: Well, now's the time, Billy. Well, Don, you look at the Phillies' situation, you look at the Mets' situation. The Mets have some good young arms, and they've got some good young everyday players on the come. The Phillies have many, many holes to fill. They've got to get another starting pitcher uh, with Arietta not coming back. Uh, they've got to address that bullpen. They've got to address the catching situation. they got to address shortstop. Is Balm your everyday third baseman or is he your everyday first baseman? I mean, the Phillies have a lot of questions uh, to answer in the upcoming months. And, again, the draft has not been kind to them. Their evaluation of talent has fallen by the wayside. And you know, as well as anybody, Don and Frank, that if you don't draft well, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, hockey, your team will be in the dumpster. And when you don't draft well, and I'm not saying you got to hit on every first rounder, but you have to identify talent down the road. And if you don't do that, like the Yankees, they know how to do it. And, uh, and they do it pretty well, the Dodgers. The Dodgers aren't picking at the top of the draft. The Yankees aren't picking at the top of the draft, but they know how to identify talent.
1: Well, I couldn't agree with you more, but uh, I just wanted to do that at the top of the show because it became all of a sudden a major baseball day when, when Theo decided to step back. Was well, I said, he still had a year on a contract, and he stepped away from that. And so it will be very, very interesting to see what he decides to do. Uh, the two teams that we talked about, Billy, are the two that really need some help in the front office. And, uh, but let's get to the Philadelphia Eagles. Frank, you uh, – Give, I'll let you get the first question in to Billy on the Eagles because I know you want to talk about that.
3: Oh, God, Billy. Uh, you know, I've stopped uh, stopped saying in Navina. I've even I've uh, gone now, going over to the to synagogue for men's every day. I, I can't get a <laughs> win out of there. What, what the hell's going on?
5: Well, two words Howie Roseman. He is Ooh. the major problem with the Philadelphia Eagles organization. He's been here a number of years as general manager. He had a year off, when Chip Kelly said, get him out of my hair. And then he came back, and he's very close to the owner, Jeffrey Lurie. As long as Howie Roseman is in charge of the personnel department and the salary cap, I see this club in reverse. I really think there's a lot of question marks, brings back aging veterans, I mean, you don't do that. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, if he didn't play 12 12 to 14 games a year for you, that's a bad, bad signing. Jason Peters, initially they brought him back as a guard because they they, they felt when Brandon Brooks went down, that was the the guy. Then he got $5 million to move the left tackle when Andre Dillard goes down. So, I mean, all these mistakes have made by Howie Roseman, he has too much power over the roster, and his evaluation of talent leaves a lot to be desired Mhm what, what about the okay.
3: the 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 defensive coordinator I, I mean I've never seen him with a sheet in his hand i've never seen, i know you can't hold all that in his head because from what or maybe he is holding all his head but he ain't doing diddly squats with the the defense um you know it just uh it's amazing to see. the the talent that they have and, you know, losing the number of games that they have, especially this last
5: one. Frank, when you lose to the Giants, the Giants are a team on the upswing. they got a good Mm -hmm. young head coach. They have identified young talent that they're going to go with. But the the Mm -hmm. problem is with Jim Schwartz, he runs that so-called wide nine. I hate the wide nine. They have Mm de-emphasized in the Eagles uh, hierarchy since the days of Joe Banner. They de-emphasized for many years wide receiver until they got T.O. Then this year and this year's draft, they really went after speed on the wide receiving core. Their linebackers could not play in the NCAA, let alone the NFL. Their linebackers are really below par. All right? They never addressed the safety position. All right? I remember a number of years ago, when a guy named Troy Palomalo was on the board. The Eagles right. took a guy named Jerome McDougal. The next mm-hmm. tackle he makes will be his first tackle. All right? <laughs> and they passed on Troy Palomalo because he had a few concussions. You know what? Some, this is a physical game, and sometimes you got to roll the dice and say, okay, sure. we're going after this guy. I believe Troy Palomalo is going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, right?
4: Right. Where's Jerome yeah.
5: McDougal? What Hall of Fame's he been be inducted to? Yeah. Billy, I think the other yeah.
1: thing, too, you ought to touch on, and, and that is that, you know, when uh, Foles and, and Wentz were really, Wentz got hurt, Foles took him to the Super Bowl. But the thing behind both of them was an outstanding coach who's now out in, <laughs> with the
5: Colts. I mean, where is the coaching now for Wentz? Because he is really struggling. Don, that's a great question. That is a that's one of your best questions of the year. I'm going to give you an A plus plus. They, they lost Frank. They they lost Frank Reich, right? And D. Filippo. D. Filippo, I believe, went to Jacksonville or Minnesota as right. an offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. Frank Reich went to uh, the Colts as a head coach. Now, if you're if you're Doug Peterson and the hierarchy of the Eagles, they say, hey, we got to go out and find. Another veteran coach. Because a lot of times when you promote younger guys, a, a guy like the, the kid Press Taylor is a quarterback coach. He's 32 years old. Nothing against him because he's 32 years old. But you want a guy to be able to get Carson and say, look, this is the, what we're going to run, Carson, and this is what, how we're going to do it and have a guy. And another thing, they have 24 coaches on their staff. I think they have eight guys early in the season, were in the ear of Carson Wentz. You can't have that. You have to have the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and the quarterback coach. That's it. Nobody else telling Carson what to do. All right? And they had too many voices in his ear. I think it's really confused him. And he's really taken a large step back because he's trying to assimilate all this information, Don and Frank. And he's not able to do it because he says, should I do it this way? Should I do it that way? Again, too many coaches. You know, it's amazing. If you Look at the landscape of the NFL. 24 coaches. Bill Belichick has 16. That's all he has. 16 coaches. Why, why do we need an overabundance of over-evaluating plays? We, we, we make this a complicated game where it's rather simplistic.
1: Well, I couldn't agree them. with you more on that. I, I think the other thing, too, is that, uh, uh, and I I spent a lot of time uh, last weekend after the Eagle game uh, going back and forth between the New York post game show and, and uh, the Eagles post game show on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Uh, and oh boy out there, they were really, really tough on the coaching staff, and they were really, really tough on Carson Wentz. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, talking about. You know, coming up to the line of scrimmage, making his play changes way too late. The uncertainty of the offensive line because he doesn't make the calls quickly enough, uh, doesn't recognize what he wants to do. Uh, uh, In New York, of course, it was just the opposite. Oh, We were overwhelming the uh, offensive line of the Eagles. Uh, We were playing a much more aggressive game. Uh, Philadelphia uh, postgame show, they said that they didn't come to play. They weren't ready to play, Billy.
5: After a bye week, I, I think they had another bye week last week against the Giants, all right? They had two back-to-back byes. <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. I, I, Don, let, let's point something out here. When you look at this Philadelphia Eagles franchise right now, they're in a tailspin. The Giants will pass them, the, uh, Washington will pass them, and eventually Dallas will get get it right. But the Eagles are in a bad situation, not only with aging veterans, a terrible salary cap situation. This team's in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. And the word analytics is starting to seep into football like it's seeped into ba- baseball. Oh, we absolutely. You saw what happened in the World Series. And I'm going to tell you something. You better uh, – <laughs> excuse me, gentlemen. Um, you better realize one thing. Analytics has a purpose but is not the all end-all. All right, as a purpose, that's all. It's part of the equation, not the total equation. And I think that with sports leaning so much on this, you know why they're leaning so much on analytics, Don and Frank? It's saving money, cutting scouts, cutting people out there looking at players, identifying players. The most important thing when you're evaluating a player, whether it's a baseball player, a basketball player, football player, a hockey player, I want to see that guy in person. I want to know how he reacts in an adverse situation. I want to know how he reacts with his coach because that tells you a lot. You can't see that on tape. And if I'm a general manager, whatever sport it is, I'm going to see the top 110, 150 prospects some way, somehow in person. If I had to go five days in a row for baseball where I see this player in California, this guy in Arizona, I want to identify, eyeball these guys. As Dallas Green once told Rooley Carpenter, I can tell the best player when he comes off the bus. And then I want to see how he reacts with his, uh, his teammates and how he reacts with coaching. That's the important thing. And I think we're getting away from that. This computer age is ruining sports.
1: Well, I think the other thing, Billy, is that I think Frank and Tommy would agree with this and that uh, when you look at the upcoming schedule for the Eagles, this game against Cleveland may be a make or break for the season. They got a break because they've got that tie game, which uh, gives them a little bit of an edge going into the last eight games of the season uh, in terms of win losses, but not losses. But they're going to go to Cleveland this weekend and after that. They are really in a, in a big, big hole. I mean, they're playing tough, tough teams. I think this game, if they don't win this game, Billy,
5: I think they're in big trouble. Absolutely. And and the Cleveland Browns have been hit with the COVID-19. Their right tackle may not play Sunday. Their kicking situation is up in the air right now because of COVID-19. So the Eagles are getting this team at the right time. But that doesn't say the Eagles are going to take advantage. And I'll tell you another thing. That what the Eagles, what bothers me the most, and I've talked to people, run the football. Run the football. Don't throw the ball 40 to 42 times a game. Run the ball. Look what the Ravens do. Look what teams like uh, uh, San Francisco did last year. They controlled the clock and controlled the tempo of the game because they were able to run the football. The Eagles' inability to run the ball has really put them Behind the eight ball and then you expect Carson Lynch to be a uh, Superman and make the big plays i i i I just think if you establish that run now the defense can't cheat up to the line of scrimmage uh, or, or or can't uh, decide to not cheat up to the line of scrimmage but move back a couple steps and protect the passing lanes they have to uh, they have to honor the run because if if you're slashing him for five six yards those two linebackers that are on the field and the extra safety will have to walk up to the line. That opens up everything for the short passing game and even the long passing game. Tommy mm-hmm. Gilbert, you've been very quiet there. Tommy, what's going on?
0: I, I can agree with you, Bill. Thanks for coming on again. Love your knowledge. And I used to love when you produced Don Show back in the old twelve, twelve, ten 10 days up CAU. Yeah, you know, I watched that Eagles game. I mean, the defense, didn't look that good. Carson once when he hurries up for the football, they're they're a better team. When he when he lays back, they this this no no good. It just scares well, me the, right now.
5: Uh, this this team really, really bothers me because not only that they don't have an identity, they really don't have an identity. And that's what bothers me the most. Defense, they give up big plays when after they score a touchdown. The Giants get down in five plays and score another touchdown.
4: That can't happen.
5: If you're a good team, you shut that team down after you score a touchdown because then the momentum's on your side, and you can dictate to the opposing team. But you can't right. allow a team to go five plays into the end zone, Tommy. That's ridiculous.
0: Exactly. I mean, this, you know, I was watching that quarterback. That quarterback looked like Y.A. You know, Tittle back there. He made there's two runs for touchdowns. I was yelling at the TV. Can't these guys hit them, but the tackling there is bad. I mean, this Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator, I mean, I was just so sick and blitz and run. They missed tackling all the guys up there and that. And it's just, when you get to the quarterback, when a quarterback makes Billy a 58-yard run, you know, another 38-yard run for touchdowns, you're not tackling, you're not playing good defense.
5: Well, the, the guys committed the same mistake. They did when he ran for 80 yards and he stumbled over the 10 yard line, and then mm-hmm. this week he ran the same play, went for a touchdown. Josh Sweat crashed too quickly. You can't do that. You can't do that. You have to stay at home. You have to. stay. you can't overcommit, and this kid's overcommitting too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to think out there. You are the last line of defense. If he gets a, if he gets by you, it's it's a touchdown or a big, big gainer. I mean, this is about discipline. And, you know, you can talk about players all you want, but this falls on the coach, too. You know, you you, you can say, well, we told him that. We told him that. Well, <laughs> you told him that. He didn't execute. So when he doesn't hmm. execute, he finds himself on the bench, in my opinion. Because <laughs> you're I, I couldn't
1: agree more, Billy. And, and once again, I, I want to thank you so much. As always, you know that uh, we get together every now and then and, and uh, on your show and, and here, and uh, it's great to talk with you. I I'll, I'll tell you the next time we get together, we'll know what Theo Epstein's going to do. We'll know whether the Phillies come up with a general manager that could do something, uh, whether the Mets, what the Mets are going to do. Uh, there's so much going on right now. And more importantly, what's going to happen this weekend with the Eagles and what's going to happen the next few weeks with the Eagles. Thank you very much.
5: Don, one thank little you, note though. before I leave Frank, you, Frank, and uh, Tommy. Happy Thanksgiving. But year Molina is on the Phillies' radar.
4: Wow. He's
5: 91 <laughs> years old, and they're going to bring him in. Excellent.
1: <laughs> okay, Billy, happy, so, happy nice Thanksgiving to, you dinner, to you. Billy. All
5: right, guys, That's thank good, you. Man. Bye.
1: Well, so we're going to go we're going to go from pro football to college football because the gentleman that runs the uh, Outback Bowl and keeps us informed and the last time he was on with us two weeks ago he said that uh, they were having big meetings to decide how they're going to go about uh, what's going to happen with all the bowls, not just the Outback Bowl, but with all the bowls and uh, also what's happening in college football. And of course, the big story in the New York Post today was that. Uh, Harbaugh may be leaving Michigan, which would be a little surprise with a year to go on the contract. But the Mets or the uh, Jets have him on the uh, front sheet of looking for a coach to take over next oh, year. Okay. So maybe we could maybe we could talk about that as well. <laughs> but we'll start with the Outback Bowl because that's your backyard. What what decisions were made?
6: Well, well, I, I don't know say, but, about decisions. But we we uh, you know we are still you know right now we're we're leaning uh, working towards uh, having our game on January second um, uh, with the twelve thirty kickoff on uh, Saturday January second this year. Um, you know the bowl games right now that you know the conferences are indicating that they want to play in the bowl games. So most of the bowl mm-hmm. games uh, right now are still on track. So. Uh, you know, we're you know in our case and most of the bowls they're they're in the process of reworking um, you know contracts with the conferences and uh, to, in regards to what exactly that looks like and every everybody you know everything's a little bit different. All these these deals are a little bit different with the conferences and every conference is a little different in regards to what they're looking for. Um, you know, obviously this is not a normal year, so um, you know all the normal agreements that have been in place. Uh, have to be reworked so you know the the bowls and the conferences are in talks to do that now um, in regards to you know how that will affect potentially you know the payouts to the leagues and teams and uh, what exactly uh, participating in the bowl is going to look like in regards to uh, the teams coming in and how long they might be there and whether they're going to participate in anything around the game or or whatever I, I think you'll probably see a situation where the the teams are are basically going to just, you know, for the most part, come in and play the games and not really, you know, be um, in town very long. But, uh, you know, all those, all those discussions are going on right now. And uh, of course, you know, it's a dual track because the other part of that is that the college football regular season, you know, is, is moving forward, but, you know, obviously there's been some bumps in the road and uh, games having to be postponed. And, uh, each week, it seems like there's there's a few more um, that have to be postponed, and you know, part of the question there is, you know, are they are they able to make up those games, uh, you know, within the time frame uh, that we have left? Um, you know, they're they're starting to get pretty short in regards to doing that, um, as far as any kind of open weeks to to make up games, and so that that's going to be a, a a big factor as as we go down down the stretch of the season here to figure out uh, you know what these teams can are able to do and how far you know if, if they can get to the end of the season and be in a position to to play in the postseason so we're you know we understand it's a fluid situation so we're you know we're just going to be ready to go from our end if if uh, everything works out
1: Mike Schulte like I guess, the, uh... of course has his figure on the top of the uh, of the Outback Bowl and so Tommy, uh, we'll let you jump in with a, a football question or whatever you have on your mind.
0: It's uh, Mike. Good to see. You. Happy Thanksgiving, Mike, from from, from our radio family. To same time. to you. Same to you. Thank you. I got a question for you, Mike. Um, when will tickets possibly go on sale for the Outback Bowl? And when, when they, you know, when can you know how many? What's the capacity to be at the stadium for the Outback Bowl? On january 6th.
6: well we're we're yeah we're we uh we're probably gearing up for uh, uh on sale sometime in December coming up here in the next few weeks um, you know again it's been a little bit of a moving target uh trying to get everything solidified as to where where we are with everything um, uh you know'll we'll obviously be a reduced capacity um, you know right now the the stadium is uh, has a, a seating uh, set up for, you know, for social distancing and so forth, uh, for fans, uh, you know, for the Buccaneers and USF games. And so we'll probably follow that pattern. And and then we'll, uh, like I said, probably uh, we're, we're right now we're gearing towards some time uh, in the first, you know, couple of weeks of December probably of uh, putting tickets on, on sale Ticketmaster. But, you know, we haven't really announced anything yet. Uh, that's firm uh, because it's again it's still a little bit of a moving target here right now. So, you know we're we're working towards towards that at some point. Right. Thank you.
3: Yeah, Mike. The um, you know the, the the city and the county have always done uh, had a um, a wonderful uh, run with the bowl, and it's been a, a very big uh, moneymaker for the city and the county. Uh, but the the most important thing is the way that you put. You put that whole thing together uh, for the different days out, and the people were able to come and actually meet the players and and, uh, enjoy some time with them prior to the game. I guess that's all going to be off this year. Um, uh, At at least that's what I'm I'm surmising. Um, As far as the crowd is concerned, do you have a number yet of what they're going to allow you to have in the stadium?
6: well well like i said it, you know it you know we right now we're looking at, at, at going off of the, the the seating capacities that the buccaneers are using um so um you know it and you know if that changes up or down then that's sort of what we'll go we'll go with so uh it it'll be very it'll be pretty much the same type of situation as is what the they're allowing for the buccaneer games and, and um uh you know and, and again this everything is you know this this whole situation with the with covid is 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 uh, uh very fluid um and you know we don't know what if there's going to be additional restrictions uh coming down from the the county from the state um you know and then then you also have to to factor in the conferences themselves what they're comfortable with um you know the big ten you know has not is not allowing fans the entire season. Uh, they made that decision um, before they even started,
3: uh, mm-hmm. other than
6: family members of the players. Um, so that mm-hmm. there's that. But, you know, the SEC has been a little bit different. But, but even then, they, the SEC has sort of gone with, uh, you know, what the uh, liable capacities are with the different um, uh, cities and, and counties that the games are being played in. So, um, you know, again, you know, we're, we're probably – going to be looking at uh doing something similar to what the buccaneers are doing um you know in the stadium and and but we just don't know between now and and the time the game is played you know whether that'll be adjusted up or down
1: mike is your agreement with the two conferences remaining the same uh of course we don't know how many games each conference is going to be able to play or where they're going to be Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the season but uh with all going normally, you you will work with the same two conferences for your teams.
6: Yeah, yeah, we're we're working with the Big Ten and the SEC, and um, we, um, you know, the our selection the selection process uh, will be uh, very very similar to what it normally is. Um, there, there's going to be a little bit of some nuances this year because of the uh, this the change in the schedules and the fact that you're going to have some teams that maybe only end up getting in six or seven games and others right. that get in 10 games, you know? So, so the, 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 you know, the NCAA uh, a while back sort of waived the the rule that you have to have a certain number of wins to qualify for a bowl and that kind of thing. It, it, they're sort of, you know, they, they sort of set that aside for this year uh, understanding that everybody's going to have a, a different situation and um so that that really won't factor in, but it, but when it gets time to do the team selections and and uh, assign teams to to, uh, to bowl games and so forth, um, the the pecking order, if you will, in regards to um, bowls selecting ahead of other bowls or what have you, um, you know I, I, we expect that that that'll probably be pretty much in place as, as much as, as possible, certainly with us at least, um, you know as it, as it normally is.
1: <clears throat> well, last time you were with us, we talked uh, about the upcoming game at, uh, uh, with with Notre Dame getting into the ACC and the game that was going to come up against Clemson. It turned yeah. out to be uh, every, everything that everybody wanted to see, everybody wanted to every, expected to see. And uh, just some of your thoughts about uh, that particular game and and some of the games that are on tap right now, and also. About the story today, about maybe Harbaugh uh, is in a little hot water in Michigan, which is almost impossible to believe.
6: <laughs> well, uh, well, I'll attack that in a minute. But I, I, I think in regards to the uh, the Notre Dame Clemson game, you're right. was was a, was a game that it uh, was built to be. Um, what a what a great game that was! Um, uh, you know, two quality programs. I think the I think Notre Dame really showed obviously how that they are indeed uh, a, a very strong program this year. Um, you know, Clemson obviously didn't have um, Trevor Lawrence in there, but I, I don't know how much, you know, it's hard to say how that would have affected, you know, the, the, the quarterback they have in there right now replaced that replaced him. Uh, you know, he's obviously a quality quarterback. He, I think, I believe I heard that he was the, uh, as a high school recruit, he was the uh, the top Player in the country, offensive player in the country, so you know it's it's not like you know they they were putting in somebody who had no idea what they're doing, and and it cost them the game or anything. I, I think it was just a well played game on both sides, and and uh, you know Notre Dame obviously came out ahead, so it was just a fun game to watch. Um, a lot of other really interesting games uh, coming up uh, on tap here. I, you know this week, in, in fact, Ohio State, Indiana, you know Indiana, you know to be in a position and they've been coming on the last couple of years. Uh they've got a really good coach there who has really uh, done some great things with that program. Uh, one that that's not, you know, typically been known for for being a real strong program, but you know, they've really they've got things together there. They they started, I mean, they they played very well last year. I mean, they I think they made it to the uh the, the Gator Bowl last year. Um, you know, and uh they were actually pretty close they come into the Outback Bowl last year, in fact. So um, you know, they're continuing to, to improve and, and it's great to see them in a, a game against Ohio state that, that really means something, uh, for both teams. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see there. you know, Wisconsin, um, uh, has just really, uh, been a, an amazing team to watch the, the two games that they've played so far. Um, and, uh, you know, very, again, very strong program this year, uh it's going to be really interesting to see how they uh how they continue through the rest of the season. So some some uh some big games and of course the SEC uh you know some some you know Georgia Florida game was 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 a very interesting uh game there. Florida obviously has come into their own under Kyle Trask um and uh just uh you know uh, again another team that's that's really come come to uh, to be a, a row contender so there, it's uh, it's been a very interesting year with some surprises but also uh, sort of showing some of the teams we thought were going to be good you know before the season uh, that uh, indeed are, are proving that they that they are indeed uh, ready for prime time uh, you know as far mm-hmm. as hardball I mean it, coaches are always on the hot seat um, you know uh, every year uh, depending on. The situation, uh, you know, uh, I know that uh, South Carolina uh, will um, must champ uh, was, was let go this, this week from South Carolina and three years ago. when when they played in our game against Michigan, um, you know, he had, uh, I think one had one of the best records, if not the best record ever for a, a team, a coach after the first three years at South Carolina. And, mm-hmm. and now, you know, three years later, they, he's let go. So um, you know, you just you know, it's just the profession the way it is and, and uh I, I'm sure that the, the folks in Ann Arbor are, are struggling with the fact that the team's not doing well uh so far this year and um but you know, I mean that you know, this is a very unique year and uh you know, so many other factors outside of, of what would normally be happening that uh you know, I, I would hope that uh, you know, programs, you know, give coaches a little bit more leeway this year. Uh, since, uh, you know, it's just not a normal situation. Dominic?
0: Well, that's the thing about that. Look, so much of college football today is, is going to be great. And, and what the Outback Bowl gives back to Tampa Bay, Mike, uh, even though this is the trying times right now, it's just been terrific, terrific, terrific. And, and I know with, this, with the social distancing, it, it, would the Outback Bowl have any, any special events for the fans who just play the football game in the teams play a football game and get out of there. That would be good, basically.
6: Yeah, the team the teams aren't going to participate in anything, uh you know, in town okay. uh this year. I mean, they're they're, they're you know, they're, it's just not not conducive to do that. I mean, just like right now, you know, with the season, you know, they're, you know, they're they're, in effect, they're sort of in a bubble on their with their campuses and their programs. They're trying to, you know, they're they're testing them multiple times a week. They're Uh, trying to keep them uh, as isolated as they can and, and protected as they can when they travel and when they're, uh, you know, even at home. So, you know, because, you know, you've seen what's happened with some of these games and it's not, it's not, it's not necessarily, you know, a large number of of players that are getting positive tests uh, results. It's the quarantine and the the tracing, right? So you may have, Uh, one player that gets uh, a test positive, but that may affect uh, eight or 10 other guys uh, that he had been working out with in practice in close proximity or rooms together or what have you that then now have to be quarantined for a certain number of days to make sure that they don't have it. Right. So, so you've effectively with one, with one positive case, you've effectively maybe wiped out 10 players that can't play now. Um, wow. you've seen that a lot in high school um, you know my son's high school here um, in, the, in Wesley Chapel um, you know there was one player on the football team that tested positive but he had practiced with the whole team and mm-hmm. done all the different workouts and everything and they had to cancel their their last two football games um, because mm-hmm. of, of of one player testing positive so so, you know, that's the thing that you're running into is the fact that, you know, it's not the fact that the, you know, the, the sheer numbers of positive tests with these programs um, is really not, not very high at all, but any, any positive case can can uh, have repercussions on, on multiple players not being uh, able to suit up. And, and that's what's causing, you know, the, the problem a lot of times with, uh, uh, with, with, Teams not being able to play games, so you know they they have to be extremely careful, and um, the um, uh, you know and and they're not going to take any chances of doing anything outside of what's necessary to to actually play the games ahead of.
1: Them. Frank.
3: Yeah, I was just uh, was was wondering, Mike. Uh, looking at the, the teams that are out there uh, at this point in time is there anybody that is shining like it it may be a possibility or yeah, you know, you're just not at liberty to say at this point in time.
4: Well,
6: I'm not at liberty to say if I, if I, if I did know, <laughs> but, but I will still <laughs> tell you that I don't know. <laughs> I really don't uh um, No, we, I, you know, it's like you said, this is just, especially this year has been a very unusual year, obviously. And, and I mean, you've got, well, here's a good example, right? So, um, the big tens and they've played four weeks of football now. Um, but Wisconsin's only played two, two games, right? Because, you know, they had right after their first game, they had, uh, they had guys that had to be uh, quarantined and, and couldn't play the next, uh, the next week. And, and I think another game knocked out. So, you know, there, there's um, and then you have, ga- you have teams in the SEC who've played six games or or seven games. So you know it's it's really hard, uh, and, and you know when you've only played, you know, Big Ten is even an example. Even with four games, I mean, you've only played four games. There's a whole lot of teams that are two and one, one and or you know uh, two and two, or you know three and one, or one and three. You know, it, it's you know that that doesn't really give you much of a sense as to how they're going to finish at the end of the season, right? Um, you know, it would be like in a normal season you know, looking at, uh, you know, looking at teams in the first or second week of October, trying to figure out who's going to, you know, who's going
5: to, how
6: everybody's going to finish, uh, in December, you know, and, you know, it's, you know, you're sitting there like, well, gosh, we, you know, we, you know, after, you know, 10 or 11 games, now you, now you can really sort of try and whittle it down and figure out who's going to be, be there at the end. Right. But when they've only played two or three games or, you know, even four games, Um, it's sort of hard to project, you know, how the, how the conference is going to shake out. So, um, you know, so that combined with the fact that so many teams have played different numbers of games, uh, different, you know, um, things of that nature. And, and two, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen, you know, from here out. I mean, you know, you could have some teams that, you know, I mean, there's, I guess, about uh, technically about maybe three weeks left, uh, maybe four if you count December 19th games uh, left in the season. But, you know, you know, if a team, you know, has to cancel one or two games, you know, they, they may only play two more games, you know, and they may only have seven games at the end of the, at the end of the season or six games played. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be, you know, uh, for not only, you know, very interesting at the end to try and compare teams, but it makes it even that much harder right now to project, you know, what, what teams are going to be where at the end of the season. So, I mean, the big 10 conference, you know, their, their rules uh, because of, of, of the way they have it set up, you know, if a player tests positive, he's out for three weeks, I mean, 21 days. So, you know, he, he could effectively, I mean, you could effectively miss as a player, you could test positive, say right before a game and miss three games. Which you know, when you're only playing a
1: as always in uh, season, Mike,
6: or or even God,
1: the I, fact that you only have four games left, that could that could wipe out your season. Mike Schulte, our special guest, as always, uh, and of course, very much connected, worked with the with the Outback Bowl for so many years, and and Mike, it's always a pleasure. And by this time, uh, well, next week we don't. Uh, first of all, Happy Thanksgiving. As uh, we said, we're not having a show next week. Then Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And uh, two weeks from now, we'll get together, and we'll be into December. And uh, you'll probably know a lot more about what's going to happen with the Outback Bowl and uh, what teams are in the or even in the hunt from your standpoint, and, uh, and how you think the season has progressed from there. So, thank you very much, as always.
6: Great to have, great to be on, guys. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, ha- happy uh, Thanksgiving to, to you and, and everybody listening. Um, let's make it a great Thanksgiving. We have an awful lot to be thankful for even Excuse even you. in these times. So uh, uh happy Thanksgiving to everyone and, and be safe.
1: Thanks,
0: Mike. You
1: too. Fun. Well we're gonna we're gonna go from Mike to Mike and uh as as most of you know that listens to the show on a regular basis, uh, he covers Baltimore, he covers Washington, he covers soccer, he covers uh uh the Washington football team, no longer uh uh, anything else, but the wife, except his wife. His wife's the only one that calls it by another name, by Washington Football Team. So, Mike, nice to have you back with us. And uh, what's what's the outlook at Baltimore, Washington, in any sport you like to pick right now? Well,
7: right now, I kind of want to be the Philadelphia Union because it's like a li- it's like a little league team. Everybody just gets a trophy. Um, <laughs> Jim Curtin. Took home coach of the year. Andre Blake took home goalkeeper of the year. Both very, very much well-deserved for them. So full credit to the Philadelphia Union. Uh, I think Andre Blake is by far the best goalkeeper in uh, MLS right now. And if you play for any other national team but Jamaica, you'd probably see him over in Europe someplace starting in the Champions League. And what Jim Curtin did guiding the Union through the COVID break and then to the supporter Shield winning the first major trophy for the Philadelphia Union in their 10 years of existence. Uh, Mike, one, of the, it,
1: one of the things well, Let me interrupt for a second because one of the things that you talked about over the last couple of years, and you've seen the Union grow over the last couple of years because let's just say three years ago uh, you thought they were really in trouble, non-competitive. Last year they surprised you a little bit. Uh, I don't know if they surprised you this year or not, but you were certainly much more positive as the season got going. Uh, How do you feel about it now?
7: Um, I I think given the fact that they are unbeaten, uh, untied, they have won all nine of their home games, and the road to the championship goes through, Philadelphia, you have to give them an advantage, but that doesn't say that it's going to be easy, and in a single elimination tournament like the MLS playoffs are going to be this year, all you need is a ball to bounce one way. Uh, We'll find out on Saturday who the Union are going to play. They can either play Montreal, Nashville, or uh, David Beckham's Inter-Miami team, and while I would expect them to be clear favorites over any one of the three of them, Uh, each one of those teams is in the playoffs because they're a decent team. Now that, I mean, pretty much everybody made the playoffs in the MLS this season, but all you need is a goal to go over a freak bounce or something like that. Soccer is really a game of inches. And uh, if an inch doesn't go in your favor, anything can happen. I think it's incumbent, though, upon Jim Curtin to advance from where they did last year to get that first win uh, get themselves into the uh, get the first two playoffs wins. Get themselves into the Eastern Conference Final because I would say kind of anything short of an Eastern Conference Finals berth would be a severe disappointment as an end to the season, considering how good they were throughout the regular season.
0: That's a great too, Mike. Philadelphia uh, Union. That's that's going to be great practice. Gives back great memories for the Philadelphia stars we played against. he lost in the. The, and the North American Soccer League Back in the 70s They lost the, the pelicans And that's good for the Union To get the get those awards by Coach Year Goaltender of the Year But playoffs are a different story guys To see if they could do the same thing As it came in the regular season right now But you know, Mike How's the situation here Doing with a lot of these uh, teams right now With this COVID going on A lot of teams are walking off the field right now They're not play right now What do you think? Well, Maryland's
7: game uh, this weekend is up in the air because of COVID tests at uh, University of Maryland. Uh, the latest restrictions from the governor of Maryland mean that there won't be any fans in the stadium for, well, any game. So certainly not for the Ravens or the Redskins. And the Redskins had Matt Ionitis who was on IR, test positive Uh, Earlier this week, it came out on Monday So they've been doing virtual team meetings And uh, COVID protocol walkthroughs They were all out uh, for the first session of practice today In masks with no pads Doing uh, some sort of walkthrough So you got to believe that's going to interrupt Their uh, planning for this week As they go up against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals Um, And look, as bad as the NFC East is right now a win against the Bengals puts the uh, Washington football team right back in there. So mm-hmm. they'll be looking. It's, it's been interesting here uh, listening to sports talk radio because two weeks ago, you know, all the talk was like, well, why, why are we keeping out Smith? What's going on with Dwayne Haskins? 14 days later in a game against in a game against the Giants, which they lost and another one against Detroit, which they lost. Both and they were behind, and in both cases, Alex Smith had uh, came in and threw the ball all the way all around and racked up 300 yards. But all of a sudden, you hear Ron Rivera talking in his press conference about uh, a 36-year-old quarterback who doggone near lost his leg might be the quarterback uh, that they hang on to next year. So it's been real interesting to watch that uh, that storyline develop. as as the um, fans and the coaching staff kind of were really impressed with what he did this week, even albeit in a losing effort.
1: And also Mike uh, uh, Smith put a really uh, two back-to-back games together of over 300 yards. Uh, um, You know, he said, he set a record for the ball club down there, but they can't win. Well, their defense
7: has has just been burnt and, They've been playing from behind, so he's really to get him back in the team in, into contention. I think you're seeing Alex Smith throw the ball and being willing to take risks in the offense that we don't traditionally see Alex Smith take. Certainly not when he's ahead or the game is close. You know, he's making more aggressive throws and throwing the ball downfield more, which isn't mm-hmm. his reputation. You know, he's known as a bit of a game manager and a big-time check town Charlie. That's what we saw from him in their, his first season before up until the injury. And I don't know whether it's because you know, when you're down 17-3 to three at half or when you're down 20-3 to three in the third quarter and you want to get back in the game, you just have to kind of cut loose and throw the ball around or it, it, it's somehow by design and the play calling. But certainly if the team wants to be competitive – they're going to have to not be down on two possessions in a half. I mean, it would be a start if they could maybe limit a team to under 20 points in the first half and score more than a field goal.
0: The thing, Mike, I think they do that with that right there. just It's got to e- e- equilibrium of all the teams in the league. And I think you're right about a lot of great points you said about the Socrates, right now. Uh, the Washington football team, or the Darn Eagle lost, they're back in the, in the division hunt right now. And I think the winner of this division is going win by default. And the thing about that for this, for this division, guys, is you win the NFC East, you host the whole playoff game. <laughs> it could be the runner up or the NFC South. So who knows? Tampa Bay could be taking a run up to Philadelphia, Washington, or even the Giants. So. If, wouldn't it be ridiculous
7: to see the winner of the NFC East with like I think the mathematical po- there's still a mathematical possibility that uh, there is a team that could win the NFC East with only four wins.
8: Gee,
0: <laughs> oh, that was it, it's the worst football that I've seen. It's like football in the sixties when Norm Snead, Sonny Jervis would go out every Sunday afternoon, and that was that was good football, but bad tackling football right there and there, but. But the thing is, I heard that. Hmm, congratulations on the union! They, they got those awards, and that's, that's that's a great start to go to championship. They're going to host a home playoff game coming up this Tuesday. This Tuesday night, look, could, it could never happen to a better team organization than the off the Union. Like I tell you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: Couldn't
0: agree more. Just like the way they treat you guys up in the box, and the very players are act very. Get them on the line, but it's a good, it's a good, um, it's a it's a great sport for. Great they have a great stadium down overlooking Delaware River and Commodore Barry Bridge, close to the casinos. You know the the Harris Casino right there. So it's a good, it's a nice sport. Well, little that's
7: casino, and then uh, somebody drives We pile all into one car, and somebody drives over. That's how you save on parking down there.
1: But yeah uh, oh, okay. no,
7: it'll be great to see what they do. In the
1: in the playoffs this year.
7: Right now I'm watching. Well, Mike, when, when you
1: talk right. about when you talk about the teams that you four wins or five wins trying to win the uh, the division, you know, it, it, there's only been two teams in the history of the National Football League. Uh, Carolina seven eight one when they won the South, and that was nineteen uh, what uh, I mean uh, twenty fourteen, and then Seattle yeah. when they were seven and nine. When they won the NFC West in 2010, are only teams in the history of the league that have won. And you, I think you're right. I, I don't know whether they're going to go as low as six, but uh, it's certainly very possible. And anything can happen in that because the division is so bad.
7: Well, that's, that's what John Rivera is saying. A lot of is like, you know, he was the coach of that, 13, that 2013 team that went seven, eight, and one. And don't forget. They went seven, eight, and one, and everybody was saying, well, let's get rid of the division champions. Let's make it just the best eight teams. And don't forget, Carolina won a playoff game that year. They actually, at seven, eight, and one, they won a playoff game. So he said, yeah, I've done this before. I've been there. I've been in this exact situation. And don't forget, I won a playoff game. It's a very young team. And, uh, you know they're going through a lot of growing pains. I'll tell you what though, the kid that they've got, the wide receiver that they've got, Terry McLaurin, who was the from Ohio State, uh, he's just over the course of the last two years, he's really developed into a serious threat. And they kind of lucked out on him. I don't think he was rated nearly as high as some of the other receivers from Ohio State coming out uh, last year, and or the year before last, and you know, he's really been kind of their go-to guy and uh, he's had the look of a number one and he's had to play with three different quarterbacks this season.
1: Right.
3: Yeah, Mike, the, um, the, the question, I guess is, always is the the, um, can they keep that talent or will they uh, with the union? I'm sorry. sorry, Or will they uh, trade them away uh, for cash?
7: Well, there's certainly already uh, an agreement for uh, Brendan Aronson, the uh, 19-year-old from Medford, New Jersey, uh, to go mm-hmm. to RB Salzburg in Europe. They've already mm-hmm. sold him. He's one of the, he's the second most expensive uh, homegrown MLS player uh, in um, history, so that's going to be a big loss for them. But they have one of the strongest – Academies, one of the strongest youth systems in MLs they've really made a point to invest heavily in developing that youth program, and they've got a lot of strong players behind them so I think Ernst Tanner is going to stick with the uh, with the philosophy that got them to this point, which is we're going to develop our homegrown players'. We'll you know, sell them when it becomes appropriate and we'll take that money and invest back in the team. Uh, we heard Mike talk about it a couple of weeks ago when he was on, when he was referring to Atlanta United. Now, it's so slightly different in that rather than like Atlanta United who goes out and gets players from South America and brings them in and then sells them for a profit, the union are, are developing their own players and then backfilling the roster with uh, other free agent signings and players from other teams. Uh, I would suspect, yeah, you're going to see the likes of uh, of Brendan Aronson definitely going. Uh, Mark McKenzie, the young uh, defender, uh, another player that came up through the Philadelphia Union uh, youth system. He's being looked at. Um, he's really highly rated, They think that he's a future U.S. men's national team player. He might hang around for another year, but I suspect that if Mm. he's there next year and has another solid season, you won't see him again. But they have a lot of youth below that that they can bring through and sort of build the team around those young players and add a few veterans, and that philosophy uh, seems to work. I think the biggest step forward for the union this year was Jim Curtin, being able to figure out how to coach and win those big games because the knock on him had always been that he would get to the big game, the playoff game or the U S open finals, the finals game, and he'd lose. And he's finally been able to lift the trophy. He's got that monkey off his back. My hope is that he can go into these couple of playoff games a little bit more relaxed and coach the team and prepare the team, uh, the way that he has the whole season, because if they do that, then they will be favorites.
1: Mike, let's switch topics for just a second, because I thought Tommy might bring this up earlier in the show, but I hadn't got to it yet. Uh, The national hockey league is in the process of another negotiation. Uh, Before the playoffs, everybody was really very, very high on what Bedman had done with the players association and the contracts they signed. And they took a 10%. uh, The players took a 10% uh, lowering of their salaries uh, during the course of this pandemic. Uh, now the proposal uh, yesterday was they take another 13%, uh, so that would be 23% all told uh, in order to come back and begin play for 2020 and 21. That's a, that's a heck of a hit. But what are you going to do? <sighs>
7: You know, you you work it out with the Players Association. I'm guessing that when Bettman said 13, um, they're going to negotiate and maybe meet in the middle. Um, We went through this, and we talked about this as we were going through it with uh, Major League Baseball. You know, the the sides have to negotiate. They have to both be willing to talk in good faith and say, like, it is in our best interest for everybody to get – to keep the season going, and to play. But well, they already agreed think, to
1: ten when they signed the when they signed yeah. the agreement before the playoffs. Mm-hmm.
7: And my whole thing is, if you're going to pay me, to you're going to pay me seventy six. Uh, you're, you're, what is seventy seven percent of my salary? Then please expect that I'm going to do seventy seven percent of the work. So, don't ask them to play seventy mm-hmm. eighty games and only pay them for playing 60 so if
4: he's suggesting
7: that they play uh they they take a 23 percent pay cut are are, they, are the owners also be proposing playing 23 percent fewer games Big question
0: Mike. Big well, question Mine's well that well the idea. money
1: the money really is going to be deferred it's not going to it's it, 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 it's, they're going to have to be willing to to accept the fact they're going to defer the money, and I guess then they could to make it up in the years ahead if they got a better TV contract or things came out a little bit better than they are, because they're going to have to play another half, at least half a year this year, with nobody in the stands again.
7: Yeah, and that's the po- They need they need to figure. And they need to work together to figure it out. My whole thing is the money can be deferred. We can talk about, oh, they might have the opportunity to make it up. But once that 23% is gone, it's hard to get that 23% back. You know, they can make, they can say, oh, well, it went up 23%, but you're still, you're still, you're not 23% ahead. You're you're back at zero. Right. And so any significant gain is still going to be less, Um, you know, Everybody, we're looking at it with the NBA. They're going to have to figure it out. We're looking at it. We're going to be dealing with it most likely, again, with baseball. You know, 23%, ten, another 13% is, is a lot. My gut instinct is, though, that the NHLPA will figure out a solution with Gary Bettman. Uh, the I mean, NHL... Yeah, the NHL is not in the mood. Having given up a season once and seen what it takes them to get back the season like they did to the lockout, there's not in any mood right. to let that happen again. And I think well, knowing the, that will, will, will make them work together.
1: Well, the other thing is that, uh, unlike baseball, where they can make it up with the playoffs and add more teams as they did, uh, even though they took a, a severe hit with the attendance, but. Uh, you're looking at the National Hockey League, uh, which has a a lesser contract television-wise than anybody, and the NBA, mm-hmm. whose television contract was good, it expires this year, and they had a terrible time with their ready sort of playoffs. I mean, they were just so far down. Uh, so the National Hockey League and the NBA are, are both fighting a very, very tough battle right now. I, everybody is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know,
7: the only t- – uh, we're even looking at the fact that the NFL has already put out guidance that says that the salary cap at best for next year will remain stagnant, but the forecast has it going down. When was the last time the NFL's salary
1: cap went down? I can't remember. I don't remember it going I don't down, think it to
4: it be No, I don't, I think don't you know. I don't remember it.
1: Like they're they're
7: not making enough money off the television revenue to even raise the salary cap a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, all four major sports, all the sports worldwide, um, be it soccer in Europe, be it NHL basketball, NHL hockey, be it NBA basketball, major league, it's a revenue crisis. This has we're talking about hundreds of billions that has been wiped off by the fact that we can't have fans. In stands and right. limiting people's access you know like i i sports. haven't seen
1: i i've looked for i've looked for the ratings for the first half of the season for both the you know uh when you when you look at the the, the playoffs and and what the ratings were and i've looked at the the uh, ratings for the national football they get aired down as well national football league's mm-hmm. not doing they're not doing a gigantic job either right now. But we're just out of time. We got to take a jump, and and uh, Mike, once again, sure. thank you very, very much. We're very happy about the union. We're very happy about what they're doing, and we'll get with you next week and uh, get as the playoffs hopefully really get underway.
7: We'll, uh, hopefully next week we'll be recapping a playoff win.
1: That's right. That's we're right. Off next week, Mike. Thank oh, we're off next week. Yeah, that's Thanks. right. I
7: Thanksgiving. Keep it. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. Um, I hope you all thank you. enjoy. You a great holiday with you and yours, even though it might not be what it normally is, but uh, it's been great doing this again. And so I'm very thankful that I get to come on and do this every week with you guys. I hope you guys all have a blessed holiday.
1: Okay. Mike, thank you very much. Same to you and your family. And uh, Doug Hamilton is down yeah. standing by, our PGA expert.
4: Mm-hmm. And,
1: uh, but more importantly, before I talk about the masters and the, uh, well, what can you say about the masters mm-hmm. other than it was outstanding? Uh, there was right. a game on Monday night, I think, uh, played in the rain up in Massachusetts. Uh, we talked about Harbaugh being talked about going, uh, the brother Harbaugh, going from Michigan maybe to the, the Jets next year as their head coach. But uh, <laughs> what, what happened What happened in, in New England? Well, let me, you know what, you've, you've taken, you know, the bell just
8: rang. We came out to the middle. We tapped gloves. And then right away you just threw a punch and hit me right in the nose. so uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, that's okay. I'm going to gather myself for just a second. There's a little stream of tear that just came out of my eye that I'm just going to wipe to the side. And so what we're going to do first is we're going to take a backward step here. And how I always deal with people uh, is you mentioned the positives before you get into the negatives. So um, I'd like to echo uh, Mike's uh, Thanksgiving sentiments to say that in in a really bizarre year full of COVID and all these different things Mm -hmm. Um, more than anything I think that this Thanksgiving is incredibly important to uh, recognize you know your your health how blessed you are uh, the chance to maybe spend some time with some family um, and to really just kind of position yourself to understand where you are and and how thankful you you must be as a human being um, in a really crummy year um, that we've had so that being said that being said it was very difficult uh as a Baltimore Raven fan to watch um Monday night football you know and, and look it's it's incredibly easy to um think about all right well the weather was crummy they were playing on the road um they're missing you know several players uh key players uh due to injuries you know what they they played crummy um they 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 couldn't stop the run um You know, their their play calling, even though it was, you know, the bad weather, the play calling was very vanilla. Uh, There's no opportunity, even on a dry, sunny 80-degree day, for them to uh, throw the ball in a vertical fashion. Too many penalties, um, poor decisions. Um, You know, we we go for it on fourth down with Mark Ingram in the Wildcat. What the heck is that? Um, You know, Lamar Jackson, uh, for some reason, just – it just doesn't have a – and hardball is the same way. They don't really have a, a clock in their head when it comes to like, all right, look, we're at the end of the first half here and we have a chance to drive the football down here and, and kick a field goal. No, nah, we're going to throw an interception because we feel like we could stick that ball in there. Like, it just – it's been a, a myriad of issues, you know, this whole season in terms of uh, even though they're 6-3, they – and they, you know, they've played a lot of teams that were that were bad that they should have beaten that they did, and the the Patriots were a team that – they should have beaten and they didn't and they looked very average and you know and, and granted the Tennessee Titans come to town this week if uh, Damian Harris can run for 100 yards Derrick Henry's going to run for 200 yards this week um, i don't know how they're going to stop that cat um, he is a very violent runner and and very difficult to bring down um, you know well, Doug, I, I can what, only what's hope. the
1: reaction what's the reaction of the press uh, <laughs> in Baltimore? I mean, uh, uh, have they come down yeah. heavily on that game? Or what's, what's been the reaction? Because watching it on television, you know, I think everybody yeah. had an opinion about everything. What what is the press sure. and what is radio talk shows, what are they talking about in Baltimore?
8: Well, I think there's, there's different sides of the fence. Um, I think that uh, true Baltimore fans understand that, you know, it's a very long season, and this, unfortunately, was one game that should have been one that was lost that You know, I think that as long as you make the playoffs, because obviously they've expanded the, you know, the concept of playoffs this year, that as long as you get in the dance, you can win it all. Um, We need to peak at the right time. And, you know, I think everybody's waiting for the the week, if you will, that all of a sudden, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson figures out that last year he was the MVP and he starts playing like it and everything's going to click. And, you know, um, you know, the golden, what is it, the, the yellow brick road is going to lead us. You know, when someone clicks their heels together, that everything's going to be great. Um, I think the other side of that says that, you know, people are uh, growing tired, if you will, of of running the football and, and Greg's Ro- and Greg Roman's inability to uh, call plays that are, you know, what I mean. They're 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 not like the the way that all, the offense is, is geared is is just grinded out three four five yards at a time. You know, if we don't score a touchdown, we kick a field goal. We play good defense and special teams. Uh, it's certainly not a quick strike offense. Um, I think you're seeing Lamar Jackson run the football less, um, and and kind of, you know, maybe try to go through some of his progressions. But yet, if he doesn't, he tries to force a pass in there. So I mean, I think they're concerned about obviously his uh, well-being in terms of health and running the football. And he hasn't been as elusive and electric this year as he has, you know, in in years past, the last two years. So. You know Ingram was hurt. The, the the bulk of the the running went to to both Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Um, they're down to one tight end. I mean Mark Andrews is it. I think they're 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 requiring people from the practice squad to fill in the other spots. Um, their Pro Bowl left tackle's out. Calais Campbell's out. Um, Brandon Williams is out. Uh, Jimmy Smith has been out. Marlon Humphrey was out. Um, it's just you know their their linebackers are rookies. They're not playing up to. To speed, um, there's a lot of people in Baltimore that are very upset about uh, the inability to score points, um, and and people keep saying that their defense is good. I don't know what they're looking at because the defense, I mean, uh, Kansas City embarrassed them. Um, New England ran all over them, you know. So I don't know what they're looking at. I mean, they go out and they get Yannick and to to in- increase their pass rush. They've gotten less sacks now than they had before they had him. Um. Matthew Judon is is always one penalty away from being kicked out of the game for doing something stupid. Um, I don't know. I don't. I, I think there's some frustration. Um, you know, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers um, are running away with the division, and right. you know, they're a great football team in terms of of what they've produced. Um, you know, thankfully the <clears throat> way the schedules worked. Um, you know, obviously, we get to play. We beat the Eagles. We get to play, you know, the rest of – we beat the the Redskins or Washington football team, sorry. Uh, We we have to play Dallas and and the Giants, which is also, You know, that's great. And we get to play the Bengals, I think, one more time. Uh, So, (laughs) you know, if we somehow grind out some of these wins, they're going to be against crummy teams. And I think once you get to the playoffs, like I said, you hope you peak at the right time and, and get it done.
1: Tommy?
0: a you know, different song for the
8: dance up there and that
0: uh, how how's the how's your golf course condition wise and and how's the, how's the, how the players been up there because yeah. the, the, the most important thing are the leaves down or the leaves down yet
8: yeah we're um we're still cranking out the rounds of golf you know uh uh Frank always patches me through and we always have a discussion about the you know state of state in terms of you know how I'm doing and and uh, you know uh, the the somehow hope that it does snow soon for me to catch a couple days off in a row here. Um, mm-hmm. You know it's um, you know it, it hasn't relented. Um, you know it's uh, this Friday Saturday Sunday Monday I think are supposed to be in the 60s here, uh, which is which is fabulous. Uh, obviously for uh, this area to be uh, that warm this late uh, in the season, and so golf is still. I um, mean, it's it's trending booming phase of of people still playing and on a regular basis. Um, right. You know, in our hospitality industry, we continue to facilitate that and, and execute. Um, you know, all the different things we need to. And typically, this time of year, it's it's with less staff than what we should have had because obviously, kids. Um, you know, we're back in school and it doesn't make much sense for high school kids to come in after school because it's 3:30 to five o'clock in terms of what they could probably work because it gets dark. Uh, so now you're stretching other people or you're doing without, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's difficult, you know what I mean? It's been a long year. Uh, this is the second year of my 16 year 10 tenure that we've gone over 20,000 rounds played um, and we're still counting. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it's 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 been a long year. Um, you know, I mean, I know. Right? our R T sheet on T sheet on Saturday. People are still making tea times up until I think last I checked was four o'clock. The time was so they're they're going to come wow. out and play like four holes. You know? Mm. Oh,
3: wow.
4: wow.
3: <laughs> that, that's
8: something.
3: I guess with the yeah. um, governor shutting everything down up there as far as sports concerned. Um, yeah. Is that going to affect you? Would that help you out at all?
8: Um, you know, I can I can assume that uh, that Larry Hogan is not a golfer. Um, I, I can't confirm nor deny that, but I would assume that he's not. Um, I've always heard that. Um, you know, like if you're in the military, you're on you're on a military base. If your mm-hmm. highest ranking official, general, whatever, is a golfer, your golf course is in great shape. Otherwise, it's it's crummy. Um, so I can assume that Governor Hogan is not, you know, um, a golfer because otherwise I don't think he would have included uh, golf as a quote-unquote non-essential business and shut us down the first time. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the, some of the guidelines that he's put forth in terms of restaurants and bars and closures and curfews and you know, all the gyms and different things. Um, yeah, you know, I suppose it remains to be seen what. Uh, Comes down the pike moving forward if if this COVID continues to be a problem um, in terms of hospitalizations and and confirmed cases, Um, but you know at least for us, um, you know the cooler weather is at some point likely to likely to happen, um, which is its own version of shutdown. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, You know how that plays out in terms of um, you know we we as a country club will have the luxury, if you will, of uh still tapping into uh, a dues stream that will continue through the winter. Um so in terms of bills being paid or um you know salaried employees continue to to going to work and and, and getting paid. Um I'm assuming that's mm-hmm. going to continue. Um but we'll see.
1: Well, uh, stay with, with your the game for a we, second. Go ahead.
3: Yeah. Yeah, with well, down here uh if they have if they want to pay a foursome now, they're letting uh, two guys go in each each hit a cart, but at one point they were, yeah. everybody had to have their own cart. That's got to tax yeah. your,
8: your, uh, your, cart system. Yeah. Well, we, we played that game, uh, I think for as long as we could. Um, you know, we went to, I mean, I only have 72 golf carts, uh, they're available for people to rent. Um, and so if you have a extremely busy morning, like, um, Wednesdays for us were a very difficult day because, um, you know, as you know, in the country club world, you have your 18 whole ladies that play on Wednesday mornings. Well, if there were 20 ladies, 16 of them took their own golf carts and four of them, you know, would walk or maybe one group would ride together. So mm-hmm. out of 72, you've already lost 16. Now you right. have regular play that follows them. My men's twilight is on Wednesday nights, and by the time I got to 1, 2 o'clock, you know, I was – devoid of enough carts to, to set up my event and and had to figure out a way to manage these. So I went to my GM and said, look, if people want to ride together, I think we should encourage it first and foremost. If they're either family members or in the same grouping of people that play together all the time and they would consent to it, then I think it's a good idea. Um, you know. Secondly, um, I went to him and I said, let's uh, make a purchase of um, some sort of a divider that we can put into the golf cart that hooks into it that people can sit beside each other but still be partitioned. And I said, thirdly, if someone wants to take a golf cart on their own, I think we should charge them a premium. Um, sure. So instead of charging them $24 to ride in a golf cart, we charge them 35 So maybe we make them think about, you know what I mean, um, what the ramifications for that are. Because, you know, look, at the end of the day, I've always said this, but if you go to McDonald's at 10 o'clock in the morning and you get a cheeseburger and you go to McDonald's at 6 o'clock at night and you get a cheeseburger,
4: they don't change the Mm -hmm. recipe.
8: It's the same cheeseburger. So Mm -hmm. why am I telling a guy at 1 o'clock he can't play golf because someone else decided they wanted to ride by themselves? The problem was people were saying, oh, well, COVID, COVID, COVID. I disagreed with that because people found out that they could play faster if they had their own golf cart. And that's why they were doing it. They weren't doing it because they were afraid of, of riding with somebody, because those are the same people that would go grocery shopping when they were done in the midst of 300 right. people that were in the grocery shop. So that doesn't <laughs> right. make any sense to me. Right? Great. Right.
3: Yeah, it, it, oh, it's it like is, um, what? somebody said that uh, uh, John Carney, who's a, a friend of mine, is, is the governor of uh, Delaware. Uh, John uh-huh. uh, Benidic out that uh, he would like the uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, um, celebrations to be kept to 10 people. And yeah. he didn't have that out five minutes. And there was somebody on Facebook who says, What an idiot. <laughs> he, I can't have more than 10 people in my house, but I go to a grocery store with 500 people. <laughs>
1: sure. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Yeah. Frank, they're trying. That's I mean, all you can say. They're trying their very yeah. best they to. Yep. You that's know, right. get everybody, get everybody right. involved. Make sure you wear a mask. Make sure you get. Yeah. Wash your hands. Make sure you do. That's all you can do. I mean, I don't care if you're right. a governor or a mayor or whatever you are. All you can do is you know try to do the best you can with the tools you have. You can't.
4: Right.
3: Sure. You, know, you
1: can't right. make this stuff up. Nope. Well, I mean, you you know, out of out of sheer safe, health and
8: safety for the individuals, uh, whether it's a state or a country or whatever. I mean. You have to dissuade people from uh, your random gatherings, your you know high-leverage situations of uh, multiple people in the same areas. I mean, we've uh, long since it's had not this like the problem The
1: problem is if you bring the family in and, you let, let's say, it, uh, the grandparents, the parents, and the children, yeah. and uh, now you got the kids that are going to school. They're much more liable sure. to, bring the, to bring the virus in than somebody riding in a golf cart at your country club. And, and well, so you have to take For that. Sure. You know, you have to take that into consideration because it's bad enough when you just get a cold when you bring all the grandkids in. It's, you know, yeah. you, you pass it back and forth. But let's get back to it. Let's get back to the, uh, yeah. to the Masters for a second because <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, Dustin Johnson just put on a show. Yeah, he was,
8: um, you know, extremely good um, all four days. Tee to green. Um, you know, no fear uh, hitting a lot of those. Uh, tee balls in, in, in some of those, that 18th hole was just, you know, when, mm-hmm. when you stand, when you stand on that 18th hole, cause years ago when I went to the practice round, it is, it is dark enough in the middle of the day on that 18th tee box, you can develop film,
4: mm-hmm.
8: you know, and when, when you, when you look at that tee shot and how tight that is with those trees and, right. you know, you start right. to add, and granted there weren't, people there that were watching you know so the intensity of it was was dialed back maybe just a little bit but you know, you're still trying to win a masters you're still trying to win a, PG, a pga tour event you know there's still pressure that's involved so um you know there were a lot of great storylines uh, from the masters obviously you can start with dustin johnson and um you know people would remark about how he's not played well in majors and and relinquished uh leads uh, that had cost him you know some of the big events um you can look at um, you know, Bernard Langer making the cut Is um, as a, as a tremendous story um, You know a couple of the amateurs That played particularly well um, You know Sergio not going Because he had you know COVID um, Just there's a lot of different storylines that, that you know uh, Frank and I remarked about how, how Tiger Made a 10 on the 12th hole f- the final day Otherwise he probably finished you know, Top 15 so I mean there's A number of directions that you could probably go with that But the unfortunate part is that people look at at Dustin Johnson, and they don't look at the fact that he won the Masters. They look at the fact that he finally did something that he couldn't do before, which was, you know what I mean, when you talk about, you know, the U.S. Open and and the different uh, Chambers Bay and all the different places that he's been that he he should have won, that he didn't, they somehow confuse that with the fact that he won the Masters, which I think is
1: is, is wrong. And also the fact that Rory digs himself a hole in every, uh, not every tournament, but a great number of the tournaments Mm -hmm. from recently, he digs himself a hole in that first round, then he comes in like gangbusters in round three or four, but you're not gonna make up your sure. ten strokes. Not at not at the masters. Yeah.
8: yeah, no. I mean look, um, you know, there's a there's a lot of incredibly talented individuals that uh, that are that are trying to win that green jacket and, and when you stick yourself in a hole and you you still play the best that you can, you you feel like you gave away, you know, far too much, um, even though you, you played well
1: enough to probably do it, you know. So um The Then Bro he gave up he He lucky he made the cut i mean he, uh, he got yes. himself into a situation where he was what two under after the uh, second round and uh, even even well, listen, the uh, with the kind of start stop darkness two t
8: you know all the different things we talked about i mean that that cut line oscillated uh, all the way down to the some some of the final players that were on that golf course because at one point in time uh towards the end of that second round uh guys that were even par wouldn't have made the cut. And the Shambo would have been out. Right. Know? So, you know, it, it, it went down to you know, the very wire there with what that cut line was in terms of top fifty and ties, and there would have been some awfully good golfers. Uh Moore mm-hmm. Cowell was another one, uh US open winner that or PGA rather that um it would have missed the cut. So Um yeah, it was it was close.
1: Just a, a quick story off the course uh, I don't know whether you Thought it. it was probably in all the papers today I saw it in the New York paper uh, There's only one house left on the Grounds uh, that the Masters has been trying to buy for years, years, years. Mm-hmm. And years and years And it's a house that's uh, the Family, the, the mother um, Mother and father are both 80 years old And uh, the house is uh, The the value of the house Is 375000 Mm-hmm. The Masters has been trying to buy this property because it's the only one left, uh, mm-hmm. and they've already over a million. And they, the hmm. the, the two people that I think their name is Herbert, I'm not sure, but I think their name is mm-hmm. Herbert. Mm-hmm. And They keep saying, you know, we don't want your money. <laughs> you, you know, that some things right. can, are worth more to me than money, and sure. uh, my husband and I are going to keep this house. And, you know, you may get uh-huh. it eventually, but we're not selling it. <laughs> And every time they right. come by, they offer more money. And as, right. as I said, the last offer was well over a million bucks, and people won't sell. Hey, hmm.
0: guys, can we hold up? We're time out right now. Um, uh, Doug, thank you for coming on. We're off yeah. this week. Happy Thanksgiving. Mr. Henderson yes, and company, you know, God bless you, your family, Don. Happy Thanksgiving. Frank, the man, man in charge all the time, spinning the dials. In my family, your family, Frank, have a very joyous a safe Thanksgiving. Yep. For all our listeners up there, do these things. Do not drink and drive. Six feet apart, or wear a mask, and happy Thanksgiving.
1: Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And Frank done a great job, and uh, we'll uh, get together two weeks from now. We'll get Roger back with us, and he'll be stationed in his new home down in Atlanta, Georgia. Roger,
3: okay. I want to say thank you to everybody that's on the air right now for everything you do for the show each and every, every week. We appreciate it. Yes, and Doug. Please thank your uh, your lovely bride for allowing us to have time. Uh, of course. Time. Thank
6: you. Yes, sir.
0: Thank you. Everybody have a great holiday.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, Good night,
0: everybody. Every,
3: every night of the week. In grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces and the men and women of the Police and Fire Services. When you're out there, please take the time to say hello. Let them know that you know they're there. <clears throat> These programs are dedicated to those who lost their lives on line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Banger, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazwitz, Detective Randy Pell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Henler, Lieutenant Mike Zerba, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman O'Neill Crispin, Lakeland PD, Chief Al Hogo, along with Key Police Department, Chief Jim Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrolman Brian Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrol and Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township, PA, Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department. Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Uh, Deputy, Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Robert Germain Windermere, Florida Police Department. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Patrolman Charlie Conant, Tarpon Springs Police Department. Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Cotloff. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. Delaware State Trooper uh, Sergeant Rodney Bond. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Arthur Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. FDLE Special Inspector Vinnie Galaccio. Delaware State Trooper Stephen Boward. Corporal Stephen Boward. Kissimmee Patrol Officer Matt Baxter. Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Howard. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Bill Gentry, Highland County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Clay Zerba, Clay County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Deputy April Rodriguez, Basco County Sheriff's Department. Officer Bob McKetchin, Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department. Trooper, Joe Bowie, Florida Highway Patrol. My brothers and sisters, so may be 10-7 at this point in time. At some time, there will be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rise out to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields and the sunshine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the hallow of His hands. Good night. God bless and please be, have a safe holiday season. <laughs>
4: Oh hey. yeah! brave us in the So it's